looking very colourful today, may I say. Thanks. I feel... I, I generally live quite colourfully, I believe. Um, Do you? I'm a fan of light and always want the curtains open wide and all not all lights on in a bad eco way, but like I, I need and prefer to sit in the light. I'm very much a... Uh, what's the opposite? Well, I'm not a bat who, who hangs in a cave... <laughs> I love the fact that we started the human podcast with your statement, I'm not a bat. There's the title of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> That's going on a T-shirt. <laughs> oh, tell us about the T-shirts, Jez, while we're here. Well, I like this one so much that I'm wearing it again. Um, it has been cleaned. Uh, sure, sure. <laughs> this is uh, my I am human statement. There is another one in the shop that says only human. Yeah. And of course, the new range of the uh, quirky little... Uh, episode title range as well. But uh, you've gone off-piste by the looks of it, Matt. But uh, themed, episode themed by the looks of it. Pride versus shame. Which is better? (laughs) No, it's not a a smackdown. It's how much... uh, uh, Well, how intrinsically linked they are. One comes from the other and vice versa. Um, And of course, last month, June, was Pride Month. Which I say, of course, maybe you didn't know. Maybe... You have... Well, do you know what? There is an interesting thing to discuss here. In fact, we discussed it before. The rainbow flag being co-opted by the NHS, which isn't a bad thing, but has confused the issue of what the rainbow flag is, which came from pride parades, gay liberation, essentially, in the 60s, starting at the Stonewall Bar. Sure. Um, Shall I do a potted history? Do you want... I think... Yeah, no, do, because I have an understanding of a potted history, but it sounds like you have a good grip of this, so let's go, because I don't actually know... Why the rainbow flag? And you probably do. Uh, the rainbow flag, uh, the s- six original colours, seven original colours, each colour symbolised a different element of life. So green, for example, was nature. So that might have been uh-huh. your colour, Mr Nature. Yeah. <laughs> That's what they call you. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> but again, to me. It, w- <laughs> it was used as that shorthand of you are safe here. Yes. Uh, that recognition that this you are welcome here. Um, no matter who you are or how yes. different you are from you know the, the wider society. Exactly. Given in the 60s, homosexuality was illegal in most sure. countries. Well, it was decriminalised yeah. the end of the 60s in the UK. I don't know yeah. the date in America. I've got a horrible feeling there was still some states when it was like 1999 or something ridiculous. Yeah, sure. Um, in the 60s, there was a bar, it was still is, in New York called Stonewall. And that was the foundation and origin of the fight for gay rights, as it was then. Obviously, very delighted to expand that to LGBTQ+. But the amazing thing is, it was started... So basically, the police had been harassing, because New York City cops, we know them. <laughs> We've seen those films. Yes, exactly. The... Um, Police have been harassing various different gay bars and haunts throughout New York. And it just got to the point when it had been going on for so long, people said enough is enough, and a riot started. So police tried to shut down Stonewall again, and a riot started there and then. And let let me just sort of intervene, interject, um, that they started to shut it down simply because there were gay people in it. It was a a, a bar... That gay people were meeting, yeah. and that's why it was being shut down. Yeah, and they weren't doing anything. It's not like it was a gay drug den. It's not yeah. like they were it doing anything illegal. Yeah, yeah. And in obviously in super conservative America, it was everything that they didn't stand for, and they were 
this is like that this is the counterculture at its worst and that was obviously just after the summer of love so that whole peace and love of woodstock and all of that um the the legend goes that the first brick or the, the first fight was started by and actually a black trans woman called Marsha p johnson and there was another one called sylvia rivera and this is this is partly why i'm so it makes me so sad that trans people are trying to be are being written out of our whole community currently by some awful right-wing factions when actually they are absolutely integral to the gay struggle to gay life to the allowance of for us to be who we are now talking about who we are sure um so i'm very for the avoidance of doubt uh pro trans trans rights are humans rights trans men are men trans women are women that's just goes without saying so from that moment that was the beginning of the gay liberation as it was called um and the development of a pride parade of people standing up and being counted and it is a protest and it is also a celebration but it can be both and there's actually over the last few months been a big debate about corporations at pride and things like that and i can see both sides of it so you don't just want some business to stick a rainbow logo on their app and go yeah yes. we're we're pride inclusive and then yeah. on like first of july oh no back to anything and nothing's changed yes. you obviously would love some money to be donated to causes for example but yeah. equally and so people get very upset about that and i completely understand why but on the other hand that visibility is also hugely important and there may yeah. be people in that company who are gay who or any part of the community who aren't out or coming to terms with it and seeing that rainbow app might actually inspire them and go hang on visibility maybe it's okay sure. for me to be who i am yeah. and to th- and actually flashback even just 10 years ago you wouldn't see a bank with a rainbow flag up but you walk down the high street now and they're everywhere and yeah i actually veer to the i'm cool with brands getting more and more evolved regard i don't want to say regardless of how much they support or pay or whatever but i think that visibility is so crucial to to normalization <laughs> normalizing yeah all of us and to making it not that we will never need one i think it's always crucial to remember where you where you came from and 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 your your history but that oh my god barclays bank has got a rainbow flag up amazing like i love i love seeing it it makes me really happy other banks are available the um (laughs) has that helped I, I think it's a ty- it's baby steps, isn't it? Yes. And, and I, I'd almost controversially say it doesn't matter if they do nothing else because the fact is they got the choice as to whether or not they did put the rainbow flag as, flag as their <laughs> logo or put it up in their bank or whatever, even if just for a month. Because you're right, it's about the it's encouraging normalization and habituation to the concept of seeing that around. Whereas before, I would imagine, you know, if in the 60s or the 70s, even the 80s, and you're walking around, you see a rainbow flag outside a pub, there would have been people who would have known, oh, that's a place we can target because they're yeah. different, or, or that's the wrong thing, or there they are. Uh, whereas now, I would hope that through habituation and normalisation, through seeing lots of you know the, the pride concept and the pride branding, that it would be less jarring or less of a deal to see you know a rainbow flag with pride. Um, I, I am hugely proud and honoured and and one of the most moving things for me when I came out publicly uh, last year only recently um, was that uh, you know I kind of felt like I'd been doing a disservice for all that time to the I would imagine thousands of people who have died 
fighting for the rights of gay people um, and for gay rights and to be proud to be gay. And I thought, actually, this is, you know, I should really honour that because in the same way that, you know, people have fought and died for other rights and other movements, whether you go, you know, one end of the spectrum, the world wars and another end of the spectrum, other rights that people have, you know, have, have been beaten up for. But even today, you know, just a few weeks back now, it wasn't long ago, within the last six weeks, you know, I shared something on social media where this, he was only young, 20 something, had been beaten to death by his family uh, for being gay in uh, Iran or somewhere like that. Um, and so, you know, it still happens. It's still a fight, you know, and I can, I can really, it's very different. I, this is so controversial because I'm just going to say it. I've not really thought about how I'm saying this, but I'm just sort of speaking from intrinsically and from the heart. I can sympathise with ethnic minorities. I can sympathise with other minorities, particularly trans minority too, because, you know, and people say, oh, it's all right for you because, you know, being gay is much more acceptable now and trans isn't. And, you know, in some areas, um, you, you know, having an ethnic minority or different background, not being white, for example, is different. And, and yes, there's all of those arguments to be made. But broadly... If you're a minority, an accepted or unaccepted minority by some, it it's not smooth. It, it, it grates, you know, your life journey a little bit. And I can, and and, it, and what is so hard for me to understand and and hard for me to accept is that we're all human. You, you know, you I've got incredibly racist um, uh, people. You know, I've known that have dismissed anybody who isn't white. Uh, you know, they for all the usual racist reasons. And yet when you go to hospital, because uh, I've worked in a hospital, an awful lot of incredibly talented physicians and nurses are not white or from England. And so what does that mean that, the, that only some of those people are okay? I remember when, you know, one extreme would be a few years back, there was a a, a guy with mental health issues in Spain who had ginger hair who murdered some people in a in a supermarket. And I thought, well, so what? Would you now say that everybody with ginger hair is, you know, a risk for us and that we can't? It's crazy how people compartmentalise and that we get used to this putting people into boxes thing. So um, I love that this Pride episode helps to hopefully understand other, uh, helps other humans, sorry, to understand why Pride Month is such a big thing, but where it came from, because... I know there is fear, and you've spoken about this, Matt, that it's maybe a becoming a bit or has been a bit commercialised or over-commercialised. Yeah. Some people that are there with their rainbow flags and enjoying it mm. don't actually know why they're there and what they're a part of. No, and I guess that's also... But support... any. Would you rather not have their support and then not be there? Or would you rather... Or, like, is it... How is it how crucial is it that they understand every detail of it versus how more important is it for them to just be an ally and supporter? Like, I don't want people to feel just because they didn't know all the heritage and history or whatever that they're not valid or welcome at Pride. Um, I guess the extreme is... Uh, in fact, I heard a great description of it, that Pride is not, in fact, a white guy with abs in a speedo on a rainbow float. It is a protest and a reminder and a celebration, all of these things, but it's... Sometimes it can be seen as like a like in, in for example, uh, I don't know, 
uh, a Daily Mail article might just use that snapshot of the white guy in abs with abs with the, in a speedo, for example, and people go, oh, well, look at them, they're the same as us, they've got everything now. And on paper, certainly in the UK, I think we do have equal rights, but this is the point of pride, to remind people that in the spirit of the law, we don't. Like in so many situations, with the rise of homophobic hate crimes, and so many, say, minority hate crimes over the last few years as well. Um, it is still a fight, and it is still a struggle. And something I'm going to make, maybe you feel uncomfortable by saying this, and me as well, do, and it's good to be uncomfortable, we both have passing privilege. So both of us present quite, in inverted commas, straight. We don't go out of our way necessarily to appear at the, the queer end, error end of the spectrum, as someone might say, to to live as outrageously and publicly as possible. Mm -hmm. And in theory, everyone should have that right. But that attracts attention. And attention can be good, but it can be negative as well. And sure. so um, we, we get away. We, I've, I've had very little homophobic abuse in my life. Like, I think I've had maybe one sh someone shouting from a uh, car and funny enough on a plane... So, and the Weird. reason they, they it was just this horrible company and I, the reason they decided I was gay which I am I was reading a book I'm not joking that was okay. no yes I was reading and I was reading a book and I heard this guy say to his girlfriend oh he's he's like like oh yeah yeah old expression he's he's bent as a two bob note or something like they were cockneys. wow um, wow and I sort of just sat What was it, the A to Z of fellatio or something? <laughs> I sat there very comfortably for two hours, willing this plane to get there faster and just read, and just literally read my book continuously. Um, but I very, like I said, so on one hand, I'm super grateful I haven't had any, certainly nothing physical happen sure. to me. But I've had, so I've had the briefest of encounters, but people who are less, or however they choose or not to be straight passing, have to face up to that. Whenever they step out the door, something might happen. Well, it's a little bit, we spoke on one of the uh, test episodes about, um, you know, somebody I knew wearing a dress. Yeah. Uh, a, a man I knew wearing a dress. Um, and wouldn't it be lovely if we could all, gay, straight, indifferent, confused, unsure, everybody encompassing as in humans do what we wanted to do what felt right for us with pride yeah. and know that we would be accepted now that's an interesting thing for you to think about dear listener if you're not gay and you're thinking well you know what if i wanted to wear a trouser suit or what if i wanted to wear a dress or what if i but the very fact that you're having to think well, what would people think of me or what would people say or what would the repercussions be yeah are exactly why so many minority groups have had to fight and why still now the Pride Month happens because actually in the same way that we honour fallen soldiers, in the same way that we honour you know, Martin Luther King's movements, in the same way that we honour other people. I mean, you know, Gandhi was shot dead for you know, his mm. beliefs and his following. And, and I'm not likening those directly. Let me just be really clear because I know there's a lot of people that get very jumpy when you start to do stuff like that. But they're all examples of ways in which we respect the past and mm -hmm. honour those people who have allowed us to get to the point that we are now and to express who we are in the way that yeah. we do now, but that it's still not fixed. Yeah. 
in the same way that racism has been going on for so long that there are still plenty of very sad and unfortunate and sickening episodes of racism, the same way that there's that with homophobia as well. Um, And so I think Pride is a really important event, not just for gay celebration of gay liberation of, of rights that we are human like everybody else, but also to bring closer the wider community to understand why it is that there are all these gay people having a joyful time mm. in cities across the country waving rainbow flags. Um, and, and so, you know, you said earlier, you know, is it better that they just come and they don't know? Well, maybe. Um, I'm uncomfortable with that, I'll be honest, uh, but maybe that's just because of who I am, yeah. that I want to know about what shit went on in World War One and how horrific it was so that when I wear a poppy... Mm it feels a little bit more resemblant. It's like, actually, I get this. I get why this is important mm. rather than, oh, uh, I'll put that poppy on because it looks nice on my lapel. Yeah. In the same way that if I'm going to attend a Pride event or if I'm going to wear something with rainbow colours, that it has almost a, a, a kinesthetic, a connection, a meaning that actually I understand the reason why this exists. I think that can only be a good thing. Well, that was deep, man. Wow. <laughs> should we have a little light relief oh we should we should book of the week just a short jingle this week oh well isn't it it's very short short well, and know, sweet we're busy people um, we are <laughs> I always go first would you like to go first oh I'd love to that's extremely sweet of you um, okay so my uh, book of uh, the week is I chose it for two reasons firstly because there are lots of colours on the book cover it's not quite uh, rainbow but it's almost there uh, but also there is uh, an element of pride in uh, the context and it's sort of the something that we're going to cover in part two of this week's episode it is Rachel Clark's Dear Life and Rachel Clark wrote a book um, called uh, oh gosh the first one that she wrote ah give me 20 seconds uh, Your Life in My Hands Sunday Times bestseller, she, uh, it was her sort of story as a junior doctor. She um, moved from emergency medicine into palliative care. And uh, this is an incredible sort of story about why somebody who spent her entire uh, training to save people's lives moved into an area of allowing people to die with dignity um, and sometimes actually enhancing uh, you wow. know, the, the, and improving the death sequence. But there's this beautiful step change in the middle where her father, her sort of, you know, guiding light, who was also a GP and a doctor, he develops terminal cancer. And she then has to be the carer and the doctor for her own father as he comes towards the end of his life. And so she sees it from the other side as well and writes beautifully and sincerely and heartwarmingly and authentically about what it's like to allow people to die with dignity and what it's like to have pride in living, but also pride in dying. And it is one of the most beautiful books I've ever read. It's called, Rachel, it's called wow. Dear Life by Rachel Clark, and it is uh, published by Little Brown. Oh, I, I, my uh, distaste for nonfiction is well publicised, but I might read that. Sounds quite lovely, in fact. Might is a little non-committed, but anyway. <laughs> Mine um, is actually, uh, the link to it, today's episode, is because it features a gay character unlike how I'd never seen it portrayed before. And that was 
<clears throat> really powerful for me. And it might sound strange because he is a 60s gangster. The book is called The Long Firm by Jake Arnold. <clears throat> and actually, he ended up writing, turning it into a trilogy um, that goes through the years. And the themes of some of the characters reappear in the later book. But that doesn't matter. This alone, this was, as a young... This came out about 20 years ago, and I read it not long after that. And as a young man coming to terms with his sexuality and understanding what it meant, I had only seen, growing up in the Midlands in the 80s and 90s, a very narrow understanding of who a gay man was, what he did how he lived. Now, I'm not saying this inspired me to be a gangster in the sense <laughs> and to do awful things. It just helped me realise that anyone could be gay. And that was the genius moment. Because sure. uh, the, here's the thing as well, especially growing up in the past, gay men were always camp or funny. They were tropes. Yes. They were specific yes. types. And I thought I had to be one of those. And then... Like, even partly, it helped me realise that it's okay for gay people to be boring. Like, everyone, it's okay to be not always funny in the light and soul of the party, just that actually we are literally the same. And that was a yeah. huge moment of re revelation for me. Um, oh, lovely. I think it might have also been the first gay sex scenes I read in a book as well, which was also like, oh. So it's a well-thumbed book. <laughs> Interesting. Go on, Jake. Uh, so it's <laughs> in the long term, and it's brilliantly written and very, I hate this word, evocative, but it, it, obviously I wasn't there. But yes. being, you really do feel immersed in Soho and the East End in grimy, dirty 60s London, and it's a brilliant well, book. Of course, famously one of the Cray um, twins. Well, yes, was gay, exactly, right? exactly. Um, and it sort of skirts around that uh, them as well, and just about yeah. that whole uh, gangster family and life. But uh, yeah, it's a brilliant book. I and love Jake Arnold's gay as well, which is good. Oh, okay. So <laughs> which writing, is good. Two right, it's good if I ever you know bump into him. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so listen, at the very beginning, Matt, we said that, uh, oh, and we'll pop in the show notes, obviously, and on Instagram, the titles of the book and stuff. Yes, uh, And uh, do you know what we should do, Matt? I had just thought about this. For book of the week, we should find a little independent bookseller that sells the books that we can recommend them on yes. Instagram and link to them rather Got than the tax avoiding Amazon. Um, so we mentioned at the very top of the podcast, pride versus shame. Yes. And... This is really interesting because, of course, it's the opposite ends of the spectrum, right? And both of those things, pride and shame, are something that I suspect both of us at some point in our lives have experienced mm. because of being gay. Yes. Because um, there's another side to this, isn't there? And that's that, you know, pride can be really useful, but also shame can be really useful. But does too much pride cause shame? And is too much pride okay? You know, if you're, is it okay to be proud of something and show it? Because I sort of feel that in the West, and certainly probably British society as well, um, I suspect there's a bit of a suppression of that. You know, there's very much a sort of, you know, importance of being earnest. <laughs> yes. And yes, does it veer into what people would term arrogance? Yeah. Um, and also, I heard recently, uh, you know, I might have mentioned this in the test episodes, but. I'm going to say it again because they were the test episodes. Um, that people don't fear actually being arrogant. They fear being thought of as arrogant, regardless of whether they are or not. Yeah, so that's the thing that stops you saying it, right? Yeah. Is you think, oh, I won't say that because they'll think I'm yes. arrogant, even though you don't feel no. like you're and arrogant saying it. No, they may not it. think that. 
Yeah, but we, sure. We project. And I think there's a... Um, yeah, now that is interesting, isn't it? Because sometimes... In fact, very often, I would say, when somebody says something, and we, I've called you out on this as well, where they say something they've done, they sort of they play it down a bit, or they say, well, I don't want to sound too uh, you know, arrogant or, mm. or whatever. Um, but actually, I think there's a really important piece about having pride, because it develops self-confidence, but also self-value and self-worth, mm. right? Um, to and to no be aware of... That. Exactly. And to be aware... Well, at least of all you, but to be <laughs> aware... <laughs> I take that back. You are very good at that. Um, to, 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 to be aware of the things that you've done that are good, because I am I am terrible, terrible at pride. Terrible. I sat in... The, I've spent four years here at the farm. I spent 18... Well, no, the best part of two years digging and planting and creating gardens. It was like nothing here when I got here. And just this week... Uh, we sat outside and it was gorgeous and sunny and I, I was really tired and I just sat and we'd eaten and there was just a moment where I looked around and I got this sense of pride that I hadn't I think I've only really felt it once before in the garden because I'm constantly forging I'm, I just see a big list everywhere I've got to do that got to do that that needs doing and I sat there and thought do you know what actually I've created something quite lovely here and quite and I was really proud of what I'd done what I'd achieved and it was a great feeling but it was a quiet pride um I would feel weird about sort of putting on social media and saying da-da look what I've done isn't this great for that exact reason for fear that other people would go oh look at him he's arrogant but actually if you're going to perceive it as arrogance that's fine but for me I'm really proud of what I've done today you know I'm proud that I got an OBE I haven't I'm proud that I got a knighthood. I haven't. I'm proud that um, I figured if you start dropping it in early enough, right? Um, and <laughs> I'm proud that, um, you know, th- this job came off or I did this or whatever, or this output. So does that sort of make sense to you? Can you identify with that same thing? Absolutely. And I'm going to give you a challenge. Oh, unexpected challenge of the week. Um, I'm... I am going to recommend you do do, for example, a social media you post. You said do do. I did say do do. Uh, a social media post about your wonderful garden. Because here's the thing. Okay, maybe out of a thousand viewers, one person might go, oh, look at him. 999 people will be inspired and realise, maybe I create a little pocket of beautiful garden, even maybe in a window box, or maybe in my garden, or yes. in an allotment. Like, us diminishing our own light and shine only keeps other people down. Yeah. Like my favourite expression is a rising tide lifts all boats. Yes. And it absolutely does. Us looking after ourselves, us doing good stuff and being proud of things we love only inspires and lifts everyone else. Yes. I think that's a lovely thing, actually, Matt. And it's a really nice... It's one of the... Um, I mean, we've been recording these for quite some time now. And, and finally, we've got to a piece of advice that actually is useful for me. That This is for me... Um, this is this is really it's really lovely um, to hear that. That's it. Uh, thank you. I will do that. Yeah, good. No um, filters. <laughs> no filters. No filters. And it will be my garden. <laughs> You'll be looking at it going. That looks like Q. Uh, <laughs> no, 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 definitely, definitely my garden. Shut up. <laughs> um, so then, I, I think there's that, that's an interesting thing to sit with, and I don't I don't really have too much more to offer on the idea of 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 pride uh this week in terms of 
you know, what people should do. But I think it's interesting to, I mean, it's one of those sort of car journey things, isn't it? Like when you're, or when you're out in the garden or when you're sat with your own thoughts for a bit, wherever that might be, making your tea in the morning, in the shower, whatever, just to sit and maybe think, what am I proud of? It's an interesting thing maybe to put into your weekly routine. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe at the end of a Friday, you get home, you do your winding down at the end of a week, ready for the weekend and think, okay, what's the, what's the thing I'm proud of? Do you know what the lovely thing is that happens every day? Uh, instigated by um, my <laughs> partner. Uh, I'm trying to find a novel way of introducing that into my life um, without necessarily naming him um, and exposing his fame. Um, <laughs> um, uh, let's just call him Corge Glooney. Um, so <laughs> I'm not dating George Glooney. <laughs> Uh, every single day, he says, um, what was your favourite part of today? What was your sort of stand-up moment? And we do that every day. Isn't that lovely? And it's a, I've never done it before, but it's a really lovely thing every day to sort of put a little full stop next to it and say, ah, oh, do you know what, that, that, was, that was my favourite thing of the day. It's so lovely. And that could be your thing with pride, couldn't it? It could be both gratitude and pride. Yes, I one. think you're right. Um which sort of, I suppose, brings me on to shame, really. So, I mean, what is, what is shame for you, Matt? Is it the opposite of pride? Is it, is it, and does it exist independently of, or do you think pride causes shame, or a lack of pride causes more shame, or too much pride causes more shame, or what's the corollary? Corollary. <laughs> corollary. I, I think it mm. does stand alone, because... Thinking back to moments when I felt shamed or embarrassed, self-shamed usually, um, it's 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 when I've let someone down, for example. That's when, for me, that's my current version of what I would call shame. Or yeah, in any regard, whether it was, well, usually I guess personally with a friend or something. And I think as I've got older, I'm better at making sure that doesn't happen. But. Mm. This comes back to that concept of you're never going to be able to keep all the balls you're juggling up in the air, and yeah. um, sometimes you'll drop one. And when sometimes it's a, oh, do you know, I did hit this one. Where did I hear that? Someone said we're all juggling balls, and sometimes, like you might have a glass one up there, which is more important, and you might have some rubber ones. And obviously, it's okay if you drop a rubber one, but if you drop a glass one, then you know that thing you can't just pick it up again. You'd have to sure. get a separate one. And I, but I think as generally as I've got older, I've got better at keeping my balls in the air. <laughs> so that analogy leads to. Um, does it? So yeah, I think it does stand alone, essentially. If we're talking regular shame, if we're talking gay, then I did feel shame and like just that questioning and oh god do i want to be this and all that different forms of internalized homophobia we feel growing well some some of us feel growing up uh which can and actually the grass is greener in that instance and i'm proud and happy and comfortable with the way i'm now i wonder if that's driven by uncertainty actually because <clears throat> what you're you know, the, the concept of coming out when you know that time comes when people feel the need to say i'm gay it's not the gay bit that actually causes the shame or the fear the fear is driven and that the moment of coming out that the, the the emotional conjecture the 
the, the psychological stress, the emotional stress, the environmental stress is caused by fundamentally you saying, I am not the person you think I am. Uh, and so you're basically exposing yourself a, a different version. It's almost like saying, ah, you know, you know, this product you bought, well, this is just a shell. Turns out yeah. it's actually an orange, you know. Do you like oranges or not? Because <laughs> we've never spoken about oranges because we had the, the, the apple covering on it before <laughs> and it's not actually an apple. So it's not the, it's not the knowing inside who you really are. If you've got to that point, because there is, of course, mm. that you know element of am I, am I not, what, mm. what am I feeling? Um, but it's ultimately you sort of exposing yourself and saying this is actually the person you've been living with. It's almost like, you know, I've, I've had a couple of occasions where people I've met have said they didn't know they had a brother, a legitimate right. brother. Right. And they've said, oh, by the way, your mum and I had <laughs> this. Uh, or, or I had um, a friend once who there was a friend of the family. I think he was introduced as a cousin. And neither of them knew. Right. And then at one point they were introduced as, oh, by the way, he's, you know, when they were older, this is actually your brother. It's the same concept. It's that, do yeah. you like him more or less now you know that he's different to what you were told he was before? It's that yeah. conflict. Um, and so the, the idea of self-shame um, mm. of being shameful or having shame about something you've done or, or who you are, you know, I, I've, I've had that a few times, sexuality aside, where, not I'm ever ashamed to be gay at, at all. Um, there have been a few times where I've been ashamed of my actions or I've been mm. ashamed for myself or I think I could have done better there mm. or, or I didn't show up, I didn't step up as a person that yeah. I could have been much better in that situation or whatever. Um and I think that's interesting because with pride, we squash it and we tend to subconsciously or consciously say, OK, well, that's yes. enough of you, of your self-gratification and your, you know, your self-validation. Mm. Uh, you know, um, Just keep that quiet now. Yes, all right, well done. You won the competition. That was last week's news. Now let's move on with our lives. <laughs> uh, and as I was saying to you earlier, the reality is that happened. If yeah. it happened in 1991, in 2001, or yesterday, it happened. The pride can stay there the rest of your life that you did that. You know, grade eight clarinet when you were six and you're now 58, you should still be bloody proud of that, right? <laughs> it still existed. It doesn't negate that as time goes on. Yeah. But interestingly, with shame, we tend to elevate it yeah. consciously or subconsciously. We feed that emotion. We feed that feeling, don't we? Yeah, we, we, we squash pride and let shame flourish. We feed it. You're right. Because of because we feel we don't deserve the pride and we do deserve the shame. I mean, that's a whole other rabbit right. hole. And possibly even that we don't know what to do with the shame either. Yeah. We don't know what, the pride. What, what what do we do with that feeling. Yeah, we don't know how to manage either version of those emotions. Wow. And I wonder whether that is because of a, a uh, societal suppression or a societal sort of dictation um, there's a whole thing. We probably should do a special episode on why you are the way you are, why you think the way you think. I'm talking to you now, dear listener. Um, why you feel the way you feel because of how society has dictated or shaped you without mm. you even knowing it. Um, and that's not some big conspiracy theory. It's evidenced in many social psychology and science experiments that you know we are influenced and guided by and shaped by history and by the way society has formed itself 
over time. Sometimes not entirely by design. It's just happened that way, and it isn't really so great no. the way it worked out. Wow. Um, so, Something to look forward to. <laughs> yes, I know, right? Sleep tight. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, Matt, I think... We could go on, and this is going to be a heavy episode, I think, to digest and for people to think about. So mm. I just kind of wonder, it's up to you, but I wonder whether maybe we should wrap this up and up and make it a slightly shorter episode this week. What do you think? I concur. We've, we've really dug deep in quite a short space of time, and yeah. I'm, I think I need to go and do some ruminating myself as well. Well, well, when you finish tidying your room, you can think about the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> ruminating isn't tidying a room, although it should be. Don't show me up publicly. So if you haven't already, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. And if you want to show, you want to get your hands on some gorgeous merch, uh, well, Matt's gorgeous merch as well. We'll pop that in the shop as well because you've got different yeah. pride lovely merch on. Vests, lovely t-shirts, tote bags with human or iron human or just the awesome colourful thumbprint, which I really And some other lovely slogans as well and possibly might even throw a unicorn on, on there as a <laughs> special edition, limited edition. Uh, you can head on over to the show notes uh, at, or on Instagram at That Human Podcast or Twitter at That Human Podcast where we'll put the link to you can get your own merch, show your oh. pride at being a human or your pride at being... G-A-Y, you never know, either one. Um, so <laughs> join us on social, add us, share, subscribe, all that kind of jazz. I think that it's that think time, isn't it? Lovely way to end it. Thanks, Jez, lovely chat. Lovely chatting to you too, me old mucker. Um, say goodbye, man. Goodbye, man. Goodbye.